And now we are going to learn uh, about the three ways to succeed in the future of work. Terence helps organizations around the world to turn indeed uncertainty into action. His latest book, The 3D Leader, has been described as a game changer for leaders to navigate the future of work, talent and leadership. We are delighted to have uh, here with us Terence Maori. Welcome. Hi, Salat. How are you? I'm good. Very nice to see you. And good indeed, you. Uh, the screen is yours. <laughs> Thank you so much, Salah, for the warm welcome. Greetings, everybody from New York. I hope your day is going well. And in fact, today, I want to give you the equivalent of a, a double espresso or a spiced pumpkin latte to shake up your thinking, to ignite new perspectives and to help you navigate the future of work. You know, you can't use an old map to navigate a new world. And what do I mean by the future of work? I mean, human-led, technology-enabled, intentionally diverse, purpose-driven, psychologically safe, and built for speed. There's a lot of hype and hysteria about the future. And I think if you've experienced the pandemic, we're all futurists now. We've all moved from nowists living in the present to futurists having to embrace new agile ways of working. And so today I want to plant a narrative in the here and now. Everybody keeps telling me that data is the new oil. I disagree. I think attention is the new oil. Think about it. Attention is rare and it's under attack. Research at Hat Future Lab shows that 83% of people struggle to focus on what really matters. Today, it's World Health Day. 76% of leaders are at risk of burnout. In Japan, they call this karoshi, death at your desk from stress. And I want you to think about a question straight away. What's the percentage difference between the amount of time and energy you spend on deep work high value, high contribution, compared to shallow work, low value and low contribution. The research at Hat Future Lab shows that over 63% of leaders spend too much time on shallow work and shallow impact. And so attention is the new oil. Attention to direction setting and context setting and pace setting and talent. Attention to workforce ecosystems and talent marketplaces and attention to saying goodbye to the status quo. Attention is the new oil. So it's time to pay attention to attention. I think a change in perspective is worth at least 80 IQ points. New contexts, new worlds demand new questions. And I want to say to you directly that I think this year, the big theme of this year is reframing and reimagining. We should not waste the biggest reframing crisis of our lifetime. Here are five big catalytic questions that I want to explore with you over the next 20 minutes. And remember, when uncertainty is high and turbulence is high, questions matter more than answers. Questions are like the golden key that can help you unlock the door and help to see the world differently. Question number one, how do you unlock the path to reimagination? Remember, everything starts as an act of imagination, but to sustain vitality for the long term, that requires reimagination. And I define reimagination as the curiosity to learn and the courage to unlearn. Learning helps you evolve, 
Unlearning helps you keep up as the world evolves. Number two is what are the new mindsets and mental maps and models and assumptions and risks for this journey? Number three, how do you prepare for the future of work and the future of leadership when today is the slowest it will ever be in your lifetime? Depending on your personality type, that's either exciting or terrifying. Question number four, it's a big question. We often talk about learning and adding complexity and adding bureaucracy. In fact, I call this BMI, not body mass index, bureaucratic mass index. And we're drowning in data and we're drowning in information. So what do you need to say no to or rethink or unlearn to go 10x wiser, healthier, or more inclusive? Finally, it's a big question for you to think about today. What are the stretch conversations and bold initiatives you can initiate today to move the dial and get started on this journey of reimagination? So questions are the answer. What's the boldest question you will ask this year or the bravest question your team will ask? Everybody's talking about the future, but the future has already happened. 100,000 years ago, we harnessed fire, which led to language. 10,000 years ago, we developed cities and commerce, which led to the modern marketplace. 5,000 years ago, we invented writing and the wheel. And 175 years ago, we imagined three innovation platforms, the telephone, automobile, and electricity that completely reshaped society, the nature of work, and how we work. We're at a new inflection point right now today. Five big innovation platforms for you to be aware of. Blockchain, energy storage, automation, robotics, and DNA sequencing. And my projection shows that over the next 10 years, they can potentially add over $210 trillion to global equity market capitalizations. This is the new meta, nothing to do with Facebook. This means that competitive lines are redrawn. And there are two fundamental truths for you to reflect upon right now. One, you can't navigate a new world with an old map. Two, competitive advantage is fading faster and faster. Just look at Peloton. It lost 80% of its market share in less than six months. So it's no longer just about big or small. It's also about fast or slow. It took the telephone 75 years to reach 100 million users. It took WhatsApp seven years to reach a billion users. And what this means for you today as you share this journey with me is that you have to master the new logic of leadership and the new logic of work. What do I mean by that? You're now competing on the rate and speed of learning. You're competing on ecosystems, Costa Rica-like ecosystems. The botanist Arthur Tornsley in 1930 invented this word ecosystem. And research at Hat Future Lab shows that this ecosystem platform will be worth over $100 trillion in the next seven years. You're competing on physical and digital. You're competing on imagination and ROI not return on investment, we know that's important, but also return on intelligence. The 21st century isn't just about profit maximization, it's also about human maximization. We're also competing on resilience and anti-fragility, the ability to bounce back and bounce forward from adversity. And I love this word in Finland, I'm gonna practice Finnish for 30 seconds, Sisu. Remember this word Sisu, it's Viking spirit, how do we scale a culture of Sisu, speak up over comfort within our organizations? Here we can see an example 
of an organization living in the future, PayPal. It's the 25th most valuable company on the planet, 2x more than Goldman Sachs, which is over 128 years old. What's interesting about this analysis is that over the last five years, PayPal has generated over 1,500 new patents. That's 26x more than Goldman Sachs. This is new world DNA. This means network effects, uh, speed of scale, speed of innovation, speed of decision making, linking value to enterprise, enterprise strategy, and high asset productivity. So we have to master the new logic of competition, the new logic of leadership, and the new logic of work. And what this means for you right now is that you have to adapt and pivot to the future, adapting the pace and your mindset, a scalable mindset, vertically and horizontally. New contexts demand new mindsets. And remember, in this age of perpetual beta, business models are going off like yogurt in the fridge. Workforce models are no longer fit for purpose. And many organizations around the world are still using leadership playbooks from the 1950s. Here are four trend lines that I want you to think about. Don't just know them, get in front of them and ask yourself, how can you turn disruption into opportunity? How can you turn these trend lines into value creation? Because we're all interested in that. Um, I see a lot of fake empowerment around the world. Bill Anderson at Roche, the farmer, talks about this word, fake empowerment. And we need to go big. We need to go big on pushing down autonomy, pushing down decision rights, and really personalizing culture and personalizing the employee experience. In fact, I would like you to treat culture like a product, always iterating, improving, experimenting. So trend line number one for you to think about is this is the age of perpetual beta, learning, unlearning, and relearning. Over $6.5 trillion will be spent on transformation projects over the next three years. So what is your workforce strategy? What are you doing to work alongside machines? By 2028, 50% of jobs will be automated, and even job titles are being disrupted. Recently, I've come across Innovation Sherpa, director of disruption, who confessed to me he was as popular as a funeral director. Distraction prevention coach. Number two is ethical impact. Larry Fink at BlackRock says that climate risk is, climate investment is climate risk. So social change, net zero futures, sustainability, operating and thriving in a click economy. Clean, lean, inclusive, and circular. Trend line number three, and it's a big one. We need to win the race to reskill. The war for talent is over. Talent won. So what is your strategy for scaling workforce ecosystems, workforce agility, hiring agility, and organizational agility? And also talent marketplaces. Research at Hat Future Lab shows that the number one reason why people leave the door is a lack of internal growth opportunity. According to the World Economic Forum, over the next five years, one billion jobs around the planet, that's a third of all jobs, will need fundamentally reskilling, upskilling, or cross-skilling. So here's a question for you to consider. What's your workforce strategy? What are you doing to outpace the forces of disruption, industry disruption, competitor disruption, or indeed business model disruption? Trend line number four, and this might sound counterintuitive, but here it goes. We need to be masters at unlearning. 
And my thinking behind this is as the world evolves faster and faster over the next five years, 170 zettabytes, that's more than thousands of times all the grains of sand on the planet. So as the world evolves faster and faster and competitive lines are redrawn and value is redefined, we need to unlearn and in, in fact, scale, scalable unlearning, the always done ways, ways of seeing the world, old outdated assumptions, old outdated operating models, old ways of thinking about work, the workplace and the workforce. And if you're wondering what this word fail stands for, it's about time we reframed failure. It's impossible to innovate. It's impossible to be empowered. It's impossible to do your best work, not just your busy work. It's impossible to get closer to value creation and serve the purpose if we can't fail. And fail stands for from action I learn, from action I learn. So without pushing down autonomy, pushing down decision rights, going big and context setting and pace setting and creating a higher tolerance for risk and experimentation and failure. It's impossible to innovate and it's impossible to bring your best self to the job. So let's draw a line in the sand here. The future is accelerating, exponential. I want to give you a call to action and introduce you to a word from Japan. It's called henka. I love this word. Henka takes its inspiration from nature. It means a perpetual state of evolution. It means transcendence. It's like a caterpillar to a butterfly, oil to water, lead to gold. And if you think about it, to win in the 21st century, we need to choose Henka and make it front and center in the way that we lead and the way that we build our cultures, not cultures of the past, but cultures of the future. I want to give you a big call to action. I want you to imagine that it's the end of 2022. And I want you to think about what will be your biggest success headline for the future of work for you, your team, and your organization. I want you to think about the words that you would use to describe that success headline. What would be those future milestones that you've achieved? What would be the change in behaviors and mindsets and operating assumptions? And what would be the accelerants to get to that position? This is your call to action. And I look forward to discussing this call to action with you after this keynote. So I want to share with you now three ways, three insights to scale a future of work, which is human-led, technology-enabled, intentionally diverse, and built for speed. And remember, I spoke about imagination. Knowledge tells you what is, and we're very good at that. Imagination tells you what could be, and is therefore an important source of future readiness and resilience. So way number one is trust. Money is the currency of transactions. Trust is the currency of humans. And trust is your workforce multiplier. The writer George Orwell would have loved these times. 10 out of 15 industries have suffered major trust breaches in the last three years. Boeing Max 737, FIFA, McKinsey opioid crisis, VW Gulf emissions, and the list goes on and on. Over the next five years, we'll spend over $7 trillion organizations, $7 trillion on cybercrime. We need to go big on three things, truth, transparency, and trust. Here we can see emerging research from Hack Future Lab. And the key takeaway for you is flexibility is here to stay. 
A great example of this is GitHub. They've reimagined relevancy across the DNA of their organization. Hybrid onboarding, hybrid talent ecosystems, hybrid workforce and talent intelligence. And so they treat their culture like a product and they treat the personal employee experience constantly iterating, developing, and improving. Another example is we need to get ahead of well-being. 68% of people are at risk of burnout. We're tired. Zoom fatigue, meetings fatigue, collaboration fatigue. And this makes it very difficult to be productive or innovative. In fact, stress and innovation are like oil and water. Another interesting takeaway is number five, shrinking of networks. And we need to think about scaling networks that are both deep and wide, deep and wide. Our operational networks seem to have strengthened over the last two years and the pandemic and digitization has been an accelerant. However, those strategic networks, zeitgeist networks, networks that are absolutely fundamental for reimagination and innovation and vitality have suffered. So takeaway number one, are you exceeding meeting or falling behind on trust? Do you have ecosystems of trust and ecosystems of excellence? And you need to go big on three things, truth, transparency, and trust. And there are many sinners out there right now. I'm Catholic, so the word sinning is important. We've seen in the UK, P&O Ferries, firing over a thousand people in a pre-recorded Zoom call. We've seen in America, companies like better.com, again, firing people via Zoom without any warning. So we're suffering from uh, Antonio, Antonio Guterres, the UN Secretary General, uh, Secretary General. He talks about a code red for humanity. I think we're suffering from a code red for leadership. Takeaway number two then is you need to lead from the future, not the past. Research at Hat Future Lab has been identifying companies that have pivoted to the future. Because for most companies, we're trapped in a present forward strategy. And what I mean by that is we extend the present way of seeing the world to the future. When the future arrives faster than ever before, we need to pivot to the future and work our way backwards. Two points for you to think about here. One, always learning workforce. This is moving from a one thing workforce to an anything workforce, from a bureaucratic mindset to an iterative growth mindset, from bossed to unbossed, from talent hoarding to talent, talent creation and talent enablement. And these are four good examples of organizations that are pivoting to the future. And we can see here, they all have five things in common. To give you the context behind this research, my team at Hat Future Lab looked at investor reports, looked at the level of digital obsession, but also obsession with elevating what makes us human. And there were five big insights that you can benchmark yourself against. One, human-led, technology-enabled, augmented futures, automating and elevating all of that routine, low-value, shallow work that makes us less human. Number two, lightning speed behaviors. Number three, scaling the culture and the employee experience like a product, continuous iteration. Number four, investor expectations of future growth. And the key metric here is the ability to outpace the cost of capital over the last next 10 to 15 years. And finally, rethinking capability stacks around value creation, human maximization, 
and profit maximization. We've got Nike, for example, pivoting to Nike land and the metaverse. We've got Pfizer, which is using a light speed activation 30 day challenge to start crushing bureaucracy and working at the speed of science. We have MasterCard. You may have seen MasterCard's recent advertisement where it's called Spotlight and they, they position it as inclusivity at scale, inclusivity at scale. Uh, over 2 billion people on the planet suffer are partially sighted or blind and MasterCard a new mandate is to really scale inclusivity and voices and mindsets of difference. And then we have DBS. So two things to take away from this slide. One, do you have an always learning workforce? This means pivoting to talent marketplaces, workforce ecosystems, and moving your talent closer to value creation. And number two, optimize reality. Are you replatforming to the cloud? Are you taking advantage of automation, virtualization, and roboticization? And, and the final point, and it's a really important one, are you practicing human empathy at a very deep level? Takeaway number three then, and it's the final takeaway. We need to turn uncertainty into a tailwind for bold action and reimagination. I want to reject this false constraint that disruption just happens to us. Here we can see the story of DBS, Development Bank of Singapore. It's a story of steep learning curves, courage, sisu, and reimagination. 10 years ago, the CEO, Payesh Gupta, got into a cab in Singapore and said, take me to DBS, Development Bank of Singapore. And the cab driver looked at him and laughed. He said, you mean damn bloody slow. Payesh Gupta was very upset. And this became a calling, a mandate to reimagine the DNA of the business. And here we can see four insights that I've been tracking through Hack Future Lab. Number one, they have real clarity of purpose, elevated clarity around their reskilling and upskilling strategy, and thinking about deltas, distinct elements of talent. Four for you to think about. Digital dexterity, so digital dexterity, interpersonal skills, uh, self-leadership and cognitive capacity. These are four future of work skills that you need to be scaling uh, across your enterprise. Number two is energy. We can't talk about change. We talk, can't talk about reimagination. We can't talk about transformation without making sure that well-being is a priority. Number three is agility. This is one of these buzzwords. It's getting overused. What it means in practical terms is speed to decision-making. My research at Hat Future Lab in partnership with MIT shows that only 30% of leaders rate their decision-making skills as high. And only 41% of leaders could link enterprise value to the strategy. Finally, we need to democratize career development. And this is where the idea of a talent marketplace comes in. Remember, the number one reason why your talent leaves is a lack of internal growth opportunities. A talent marketplace ensures that you're moving talent to where value creation is. And this creates an organization that is higher on level, 3x higher in terms of the ability to absorb change, 4x higher in terms of uh, motivation and energy, and 2x higher in terms of fighting complexity with simplicity. So three takeaways there for you to think about. One, trust is a workforce multiplier. It's a clarifier, it's a simplifier, it's an energizer. Two, lead from the future, not the past. And three, 
turn uncertainty into a tailwind for learning, growth, and reimagination. So where do you go from here? I want to challenge you and say today that the biggest threat in 2022 and beyond is not uncertainty. It's not turbulence. I believe it's acting with yesterday's logic, yesterday's mindsets, yesterday's talent models, yesterday's ways of seeing the world. Here we can see five big barriers that are getting in the way of the future of work. Number one, silo mentality, high BMI, bureaucratic mass index, drowning in complexity. For example, the US tax code has gone from 400,000 words to 4 million words in less than 15 years. Hands up if your organization's BMI is too high. Ah, yes, I can see many hands up right now. Number two is slow decision-making. Remember, we need to go big on speed, not just speed, but velocity. Speed tells you the rate of time an object goes. Velocity is speed and alignment. And remember, every time we're going to a bad meeting, every time we're using a broken process, we pay a cognitive and leadership tax. And my research and my conversations with executives all over the world shows that the leadership tax is too high. We're spending too much time in meetings. Here's a challenge for you. Why didn't you try having one day without meetings? This was a hypothesis that I got involved in recently at MIT. And the research showed that by having one day of no meetings, levels of autonomy, levels of empowerment, levels of energy went up by over 65%. Other big barriers to the future of work include lack of strategic alignment. Less than 50% of board directors are fully aligned on the top three priorities. And the list goes on. So the biggest challenge is not turbulence or uncertainty. It's acting with yesterday's logic and yesterday's mindsets. So what's the way forward? Today, I wanted to plant a narrative in the here and now. I wanted to give you the equivalent of a double espresso or a spiced pumpkin latte to shake up your thinking. Six final takeaways. Are you writing your success headlines for the future today? Number two, the only certainty is uncertainty. And we always risk, we always overestimate the risk of trying something new and underestimate the risk of standing still. Remember, not taking a risk is a risk when the rate of change is accelerating. Number three, people tell me success breeds success. Yes, it does, but I also disagree. Success can corrupt success. Scale your culture and be aware of the blind spots that you're blind to in terms of your hybrid strategy, your workforce strategy, and your talent ecosystems. Number four, it's a big one. What's your unlearning strategy? Right now, I've partnered with Pfizer and we're scaling one of the world's biggest unlearning platforms where teams come together to celebrate their most uh, magnificent unlearning, unlearning bureaucracy, unlearning ways of working that no longer serve the purpose, unlearning ways or assumptions about the world. Good leaders learn. The best leaders know they unlearn. Number five, you're, you're going to need to master transformation and innovation and empathy and learning and inclusivity at scale. Diversity, it's a fact. Inclusivity and belonging, it's a choice. Finally, the words of Einstein, you can't use an old map to explore a new world. If there's a final call to action today, I want to challenge you to make this the year of radical action because learning is never finished. Change is never finished. 
Transformation is never finished. The job of a leader is never finished. Make this the year of courage of heart and boldness of ideas. And I'll leave you with the words of the Nobel laureate, Marie Curie. She said, in life, nothing is to be feared, only understood. And the more you understand, the less you will fear. Thank you for your company. Thank you so much, Terence, for that inspiring keynote. It's seldom that we, uh, I or anybody else, I guess, could have gotten um, more information and inspiration within half, a, half an hour or so. <laughs> so now I think we have an exciting opportunity to ask some questions from you. And indeed, everybody, if you still have a question in mind, don't be shy to, to ask it. We can still take it, take it here. And there seems to be one. Let's go for that now um, here yes. in front of me. Terence, you seem to be traveling a bit around um, for keynotes. How, how does the future of work develop differently in different countries and cultures? Well, you know, what a great question. Every culture is, is as unique as a fingerprint. Um, so, of course, last week I was speaking in Riyadh and some of the uh, challenges and opportunities in Saudi Arabia will probably be completely different to Norway or Finland. But there's one thing that every part of the world has in common, which is to ignite the full potential of a human being. If you look at the last 200 years of history, most of the work we've been doing is actually very mechanical. It's very repetitive, it's very routine. And now there is an opportunity with risks but there's an opportunity to reimagine work around contribution, value, and deep work rather than just shallow work. And so some of the observations include, for example, in some parts of the world, you know, there is an obsession with meetings. And in fact, if you haven't got a meeting in your calendar, that's almost like a badge of shame that you're not busy and you're not doing your job. Um, of course, we need to challenge these constraints because too many meetings, too many Zooms. Research over the last two years shows that we're stacking our Zoom meetings and our MS Teams meetings back to back. We pay a cognitive tax, we pay a leadership tax, and it means that our ability to think strategically or innovatively is diminished. And so as a framework for our audience to think about, I think there are three buckets for you to prioritize over the next 12 months. Bucket one is strength and identity. You know, who are you, your values, your culture as an accelerant? Uh, bucket number two is how you operate. And that means speed, speed, decision-making and zero friction or removing friction. Now there are no excuses with technology, zero friction in the office as well, zero cycle times, zero excuses. Bucket number three is how you grow. This means uh, inclusive growth, it means new growth engines, and it, may, it means creating a culture, a culture that's future fit. We know that most, a lot of cultures have multiple cultures, countercultures, but culture is absolutely key in terms of empowering people to, to bring their best self to the job and scale ROI, not just return on investment, but return on intelligence and return on integrity. Well, it's uh, easy to agree on that. <laughs> so uh, let's go to the next question here. Um, this question about uh, one book that you've read that has had the biggest impact on you. Is there one? Yes. Um, let me just think for a second because it's just it's just here. So um, it's uh, fearless, fearless organizations, um, by um, Amy. 
Um, my mind's gone blank, but Fearless Organizations. And that's a brilliant book. It's all about scaling psychological safety, mm. courage over comfort. And there are four takeaways from that book. Um, number one is, um, you know, do you have a high level of belonging in the culture? Um, and, and do you have a voice? Voices of difference is how we innovate and challenge the status quo. Number two is high levels of contributor safety. Do we are we able to, to contribute? Do we have a, a ability to make a difference? Number three is challenger safety. Is this a culture where actually we can challenge the status quo? You know, I spoke about fake empowerment. A lot of leaders talk about empowerment, um, but then you look at the ground level and you look at the, the reality and it's, it's fake empowerment. And the final type of uh, sort of psychological safety was this ability to bring your authentic self. So inclusion uh, safety. Um, so Amy Edmondson is the author, Fearless Organizations is the book. And that would be my number one recommendation for our listeners, listeners and audience today. And it's great because she will also actually be at our exactly. event. That's why I mentioned <laughs> so, uh, so we will have a chance to, to hear from her as well and, and, and indeed anybody who joins us in September. Uh, fantastic answer. Thank you for that inspiration. There's Thank also you. a question about um, kind of um, the current political um, global uh, atmosphere and taking that into account. So do you see that um, we will see globalization or protectionism when companies plan their future? And how does this affect the skills we need? It, it massively. Uh, the economist Nouria Rabini talks about the 10 Ds of disruption. I won't go through every one, but they include deficit, depression, um, deglobalization, um, um, and digitization. There's a whole list there, but yes, de deglobalization and a more protectionist. Uh, a trend to more, more protectionism. We can see that. We can see um, the reframing of political power bases around the world. We can also see the dangers of a strong inflationary environment, higher interest rates, the cost of living. All of this is going to impact people, individual people, in terms of the cost of living crisis, the energy crisis, the supply chain crisis. And then we have a humanitarian crisis and a war crisis, Ukraine, for example. All of this means that there'll be parts, some parts of the world where deglobalization and protectionism will accelerate, and there'll be other parts of the world where it, it will stay the same. And for leaders anywhere, we can't take anything for granted. This means that we need to really think about the future more. Often we're stuck in the present reacting to everyday events, but actually having an eye on the future, spending 15 to 20% of your attention shared attention with your teams on the future and working back and having a point of view, aligning on a shared point of the future, future, adapting the core of how you lead and your operating model to that shared point of the future, and then activating new growth engines and new ways of leading. These are three strategies to help you uh, reduce this risk factor. But yes, the, the short answer is um, this is our, you know, Antonio Guterres, the uh, United Nations Secretary General, he talks about a triple crisis of climate, conflict, and COVID. And of course, these three accelerants are converging to create multiple disruption. Very true. And thanks for challenging us to indeed focus on the future. One more question. Um, who are some of the good companies or people that we should take inspiration from moving forward? 
Beyond, and, besides you, a few, of course. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to mention a few local ones. So, for example, June Analytics. Over the last two years, Norway, for example, has created six unicorns, including gelato, nothing to do with ice cream. It's an on-print demand unicorn. And June Analytics. These are two companies worth checking out because they were born digital. They have a 100% hybrid strategy and they're really uh, leading the way in terms of this new workforce ecosystem mindset, talent marketplaces and moving talent closer to value creation. In Boston, where I, I spend a bit of time, I came across a great organization called Timeless, which is using AI and geotagging to help people with Alzheimer's. And that's just received over a million dollars worth of Series A funding. So there's, a, I think unicorns, we hear a lot about unicorns, but over the last two years, the number of unicorns on the planet has doubled from around 500 to over a thousand. And we need to keep an eye on unicorns because yes, there is hype around them, but what the best unicorns are doing is shaping capital markets, investment strategies, and forcing big companies to redefine how they scale value and how they scale talent. A big takeaway today would be, have a point of view on what unicorns are doing, not just in your space and your vertical, because here's the other point, your biggest competitor over the next five years could come from a company you've never heard of. And that's the environment that we're in now. So you've got to keep an eye on unicorns in terms of how they're reimagining relevancy, how they're reimagining talent and leadership. And that's a really practical takeaway for our audience today. We couldn't agree with you more. So thank you so much, Terence, for these inspiring words and, and indeed challenging us to think for the future.